If you didn't understand the message of that song, it's talking about a day when Jesus Christ is going to come back for his bride, when he's going to come back for his church. The Bible calls it catching them up or catching them away. It translates in English, we use the word rapture to describe that day. Many verses in the Bible talk about that day. And Matthew 24 is one of the passages where Jesus gives us a little insight into that. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse number 36. He says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of no were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And he knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. So he talks about this day that's going to take place where people are going to be working side by side, sleeping side by side, walking side by side, doing everything that we normally do. And then suddenly, some are going to be gone. Two women working in the field, one of them's gone, the other one is still there. And he talks about this day, and this is a, this is a mystery for them. This is new for them to hear this, this, this theology being taught and this is new, and he tells them, but nobody knows the day. Because while Jesus Christ was here on the earth, he didn't even know the day. But then in verse number 43, after he says all this and says, you know, nobody knows when, nobody knows exactly how this is going to happen. But, but in verse number 43, he says, but know this. So he's going to give us a little hint. He's going to give us a little insight. He says, but know this, that in, if the goodman of the house had known and what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and he would not have suffered the house to be broken up. Therefore, be also ready, for in such an hour as you think, not the Son of Man cometh. So he's telling us it's going to happen. It's going to happen without a doubt, and it's going to happen like a thief in the night. That's an odd way to describe something that God is going to do. Because when we think about a thief in the night, we don't think of anything good about that. If you've ever had your house broken into, and you, maybe you came home to that revelation, or maybe you woke up to that revelation, that somebody uninvited had been in your house, that's not a good day. Many years ago, we, we were broken into in our house. We came home, and at first we didn't realize it was just like something was off, and we walk in the door, and something's not quite right, and the dogs aren't acting quite right, and everything's just, just something not right, something hovering in the air that's just not right, and then we notice our television set's gone. That was the big thing. We noticed a couple other little valuables that were taken after the fact, but that was the first thing we realized, that they'd come in the back door. They'd busted through the back door, where nobody from the street could see them, after the sun had gone down, he came in and stole our television set. January 1st was the day that happened. I'm not good with dates. 
anybody that's known me for any length of time, I don't even know how old I am. I have to ask my wife or I have to sit down and figure it out. Ask me, somebody will ask me, how long have you been pastor there? I don't know, 30, 40 years? And will say 15, 16, I don't, even, I don't even know how long. But I mean, some of you in the room can probably answer that question better than I can. No idea. But I remember that day because the Gators were going to play for the national championship, and I had just stopped at the store to get chicken wings so I could sit and watch them dominate again. And I had chicken wings and no TV set for a little while. It was a blessing. I'll back up. This doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. I did have a blessing that night, too. By halftime, somebody had brought me a television set. Somebody in this room actually brought me a television set. If, if, I, if I point her out, she will get very embarrassed. Um, so I won't mention anything because Tanya just doesn't like being pointed out like that. So I won't, I won't do that to her. But we had a TV and I was able to watch the second half, which was the best half anyways of their domination. But the thief came in the night. There was nothing good about that. Although, like I said, there were blessings that took place to compare God to a, a thief. That seems a little odd, doesn't it? I mean, even from human standards, that seems a little odd. I mean, would you like to go to work? And you walk into work and, and uh, you know, you come in and they're like, hey, look, there's Danny. He's like a thief in the night. Danny would be like, what did I do? That's not a good example. So I want to look at that today just real quick. This is going to be a super, super quick sermon. I, this is all I got. So I got four points. One little page. This I can get this done in three or four hours. Amen. I want you to see how when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to come back as a thief. How this is an appropriate description. First of all, the coming of Jesus will be like a thief and that it's going to take place at an unexpected time. You know, when we were broken into, we weren't expecting to be broken into. Matter of fact, it was the last thing on our mind. I mean, we lock our doors like everybody else does, but you never expect it. And in the passage we read today, it's kind of what Jesus is saying. He's saying that if, if they'd been ready, if the good men had been ready, that the thief could have never broke into his house. You see, if I knew somebody was coming into my house to take the television set, it wouldn't have happened because I would have been ready. I would have been waiting. I'd either be sitting at that door waiting for them to come through so that we could have a deep theological discussion on how they were going to meet Jesus that day? <laughs> or I'd have bought a better lock? Or I would have hid the television set? I would have done something. There would have been something to take place. And Jesus is telling us that the thief is coming, him, and he's coming to take his people away, and we need to be ready. But we all think we have more time. We all say, Jesus Christ, come back today. Even so, Lord, come back quickly. Be here today. But if we were truly honest with ourselves, we don't think it's today. We'll say we think it's today. Theologically, we think it's today. But we're not living like it's today. We got plans for tomorrow. Can't be today. It's going to come unexpected. In Luke 12, 37... He says, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down 
to meet and will come forth and serve them. In verse 38, and he, if, if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour ye think not. How many of you have ever lived on a military base? Two, three, four, five, six? About six of you. How many of you ever gone on to a military base? I never lived on one. Yeah, I've never lived on one, but I've gone on to a military base. And it's, it's a weird kind of dynamic. Because outside is real world, and inside is real world. But they got stores. They've got normal houses. It's it's unless it's like basic training or something. It's it's fairly normal inside, but that border in between, that's a little different. I remember one time we went to, went on to Andrews Air Force Base in a panel truck. They love panel trucks, by the way. And this young man comes up the truck. He says, "Step out of the truck." Okay. I'm like you want to see my papers? Just leave your papers right there. Step out of the truck. He's got a gun. Okay. This never happened at the toll booth. And he, he took us over to a little building. He says, wait here. Okay, what, what's happening? We're going to search your truck. Okay, can I be there when you search the truck? Nope. You get to sit right here. And he said it with such a commanding presence that the thought of actually standing up and getting out of that chair never even came into my mind. And I sat there. And about 30 minutes later, he came back and said, okay, you're good to go. That never happens to me. I've come from, from other countries and the United States and had less of a, of, a, of a, not harassment, that's not a good word for it, less of a struggle getting through. It's different. I went on to West Point about a month after 9-11. All the heightened security. We had to get out of our vehicles there too. They were taking the seats out of cars. Fortunately, they were putting them back in, but they were, they were getting down under the carpets and things. Just a very, very different thing going through those borders. If we, were, if we were ready like that, none of us would miss Jesus Christ coming back. Do you know why they do that? Does anybody know the last time West Point was attacked? Hmm? I don't know if West Point's ever been attacked. It's a school. It's a military base, but... Do you may know the last time Andrews Air Force was attacked or the base was attacked? I don't know that it has. If it has, I haven't heard about it. But you know, they're ready every single day for some type of intrusion. Something big or something small. They're ready every single day. How many of you, of you military guys, about six of you said you'd lived on a base. How many of you ever stood on watch or stood on post? Best job ever, right? Because you get to read a book, get to take a nap, right? Isn't that what post is? No. That'll get you in a lot of trouble. Because what is your job on post? To be ready for whatever may come. And it never comes, or hardly ever comes. I won't say never, because sometimes it does. And you've got to be the guy that's ready. You can say, well, they're probably not going to hit this gate. They're going to go to the other gate. And when you least expect it, it's when it finally comes. This is what he's equating it to. He said, the good man of the house, if he was ready, if he was waiting, because it's going to happen, 
That is a foregone conclusion. You don't have to wonder whether or not Jesus Christ is coming back. He declared it over and over and over. We don't have to wonder if it's going to happen. We just don't know when. And our command is to be ready. It's going to take place in the dark. Not necessarily a physical darkness, but the spiritual darkness of this world. It talks about it being like the time of Noah. That's New Testament for Noah, of course. I'm sure you guys figured that out. And it'll come during that time of Noah. And during that time of, of Noah, what was happening? A lot of things were just normal. People were eating, people were drinking, people were getting married, people were being given in marriage. All these things were just normal things that were taking place. We look at it as being the horrible, sinful time. And, and it was not a good time. It was a horrible, sinful time. But, but for the most part, it was just a bunch of people that were oblivious to God. That's where we live today. There's some evil in this world. There's some horrific evil in this world. There are some horribly evil people in this world. But you know, most people, at least by the world standards, aren't bad people. They're just living their lives completely oblivious to God. They're living in spiritual darkness. They can't see. Secondly, the rapture is likened to a thief of the night because not only is it dark, but the world's asleep in that dark. You see, there's a difference between being in the dark and being asleep. You want it dark when you're asleep, don't you? The darkness doesn't normally bother you when you're asleep. The darkness is a problem when you're awake. When you're awake and you can't see what's in front of you, then that becomes a problem. But when, it's, when you're asleep, you, you kind of want it to be dark, don't you? Isn't that the expectation? So it's not just that it's dark, it's that the world is asleep spiritually. Fewer people today attend church in the United States than at any other point in history. Fewer people today. Any church. And then today we have the highest concentration of spiritually weak and spiritually dead churches than we've ever had in our history. We have churches that are more concerned about a social gospel than the actual gospel of Jesus Christ. We have churches that are more concerned about feeding bellies than they are about feeding hearts. We have churches that are more concerned about being politically correct and becoming everything that society wants them to be instead of being that thing that is different from society. The church was never called to be like the world. Never called to conform ourselves to the world. We are to be that example that the world tries to conform itself to. we got a lot of problems in this world. We've got a lot of problems in this country. Open up Facebook and start scrolling. How long does it take until you get to somebody complaining about Biden or complaining about Trump or complaining about DeSantis or complaining about Cuomo or, or some other political talking head, somebody that in any other industry wouldn't even be able to hold a job, and yet we're spending all of our time focused upon them. And the reason is because they're the symptom of the problem. We like to blame them to, as being the problem, but they're actually a symptom. Oftentimes when somebody has heart disease or they have cancer 
or some other life-threatening, debilitating situation, the focus isn't upon the illness. The focus is upon the symptoms. Because the illness we can't always see. But we can see how it manifests itself. And so we focus on it. If you've got a doctor that focuses upon the symptoms without focus, focusing upon the, the disease, you've got a bad doctor. But our world and most of our churches, we want to focus upon the symptoms. The symptom is, in our, or the symptom is our government, not the problem. A symptom is is the LGBT, LGBT, XYZ, whatever they, they call themselves today, that whole organization is a symptom. They're, they're not the problem. They're a symptom of the problem. Skinny jeans and fog machines in churches is a symptom of the problem. It's not the problem. The problem is a world that has rejected God that lives as if God doesn't exist. A world that lives by their own standards instead of the standards of God. A world that ignores what the Bible says. And instead, they rely upon their own understanding or the understanding of other people. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've shut a conversation down, a spiritual conversation, because the other person, this, every conversation or every statement they make starts out with, well, I think. And I've stopped them and I've said, I, I, don't, I don't care. Don't care what you think. That sounds harsh. But if we're going to have a spiritual conversation, I don't care what you think. I care about what the Word of God says. Now, if you think something, you can back it up with the Word of God. I'll listen to it. But if it's just because you have a feeling or some private interpretation from God or some private understanding from God, the lady not too long ago I said, well, this is what the Bible says. She says, well, Jesus came to me in a dream, and he told me this. That has zero credibility with me. One, I don't even know if you were asleep, if it was a dream. I don't know if you're making it up. It has no credibility. There's nothing. I don't know if it was demonic. There's so many variables in that I can't. You know what doesn't have variables? This. And if this contradicts your dreams, I don't know why your dream's wrong. It's just wrong. If your theology is different than this, it's wrong. If your understanding of a social program or a social wrong or a social right contradicts this, it's wrong. Our world lives oblivious to this. They mock this. They scorn this. If you bring up anything from the Bible, it, you're automatically you know, discharged as being a fool. Maybe you know I was fired from Orlando Health. You know why? Because of this. This got me fired. They're very pro-abortion. Not, not pro-choice, very pro-abortion. And because I am not pro-abortion, not because of a personal feeling I have, not because of an experience I've had, not because of any of those kind of things, although those are all real things, but I'm not for killing babies because of this. And that was more than they could handle. Ironically, I never talked about it on property. I talked about it here. I talked about it on Facebook. 
but it was too much for them to handle. Because they want to live oblivious. Because if they start looking at this, they lose a lot of money. Because abortion is big money. And they can't use this and live the lifestyles they live. They can't use this and have the income they have. So they have to either reject God or live oblivious to God. Even the chaplains that they have, day one, I've had, I won't get into everything with their chaplains, but even the chaplains they have, they don't believe this. One of our chaplain meetings ended up talking about who could drink the most. What? I don't remember Jesus having that conversation with his disciples. Let's see who can see get, you can get the drunkest. Did I miss that? We live in a world that's spiritually dark. We live in a world that's spiritually asleep. Thirdly, the rapture is going to be likened to a thief because he's only going to take those things that are valuable. You know, when the thief comes in, the thief doesn't normally take everything except on TV. I told a boss that one time. I was working for a retail company. I was a district manager for this retail company. And... Uh, you know, every, every so often we have to have loss prevention training and other things. And I told him, I said, I'll tell you how, if you want to know my behavior, if you want to know when, it, when it's finally the point where I've had enough and I've decided I'm going to steal from the company, I'll let you know how you can know. It's the day you put the key in the lock and you open up the door and the whole store is gone. That's the day. Before that, no, you don't have anything to worry about. But that's not normally how thieves work, right? Thieves normally take a little bit. They'll take a little bit either for one of two reasons. One, because they take what they can carry, so they take the most valuable things, or they take so they don't want to be noticed. Jesus Christ is coming. He's taking the valuable. When he comes back, when he comes back in his rapture, when he comes back in the clouds, he's not taking everything. He's taking those things that are valuable. He's taking those things that are, those jewels, those things that have worth to him. He's going to take his jewels. His jewels are the born-again believers. His church, his bride. That's what he's coming for. And the rest, he's going to leave behind. He's just coming through the valuable stuff. You know, they, they told you they took some other things. They took my TV. They took a camera that I had out on my desk. At the time, my desk was like in the, well, where the dining room is now. So when you came from the back door to where the TV was, you had to walk by my desk. Well, on my desk was my camera. And so the camera's small. It got scooped up. They took it because it was valuable. And I'm talking to the police. I'm like, they left my computer. My computer's right there. Why did they take the computer? And he said, well, how old's your computer? And I said, it's about five years old. He says, then it's junk. They don't take junk. The TV was fairly new. The camera was fairly new. It had value. And so they saw what had value and they took that. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's taking those things that have value. What has value to those? To him, those that have accepted him as their savior. He's taking the born-again believers. He's taking his jewels. He's taking those precious things to him. Those things that he's promised all through his word to come back for. He's taking those things. Lastly, the rapture is likened unto a thief in the night and that he will be gone before the world even knows about it. You know, when I found out my TV was gone, I found out they came in the back door. You know, the first place I went? The backyard. 
in my mind, I'm going to see them, you know, with a mask and a little hat, carrying my TV out the backyard. They were gone. They were gone way before I ever got home. They were gone and, and were probably in a different part of town or in a different town before I even knew what was happening. And that's what it's going to be like for the world. You know, there's going to be a trumpet that's going to sound, but the world's not going to hear the trumpet. We're going to hear the trumpet. There was a, a pastor that once said, I can't remember his name. I was trying to remember from my notes. I couldn't find it anywhere. But there was a pastor that once said famously, the only people that are going to hear are those that are tuned into the radio station B-L-O-O-D. If you're tuned into the radio station B-L-L-O-D, you're going to hear that trumpet. If you're not tuned into that radio station, if you don't have the blood of Christ applied to your heart, you're never going to hear that, that sound because your life's on the wrong station. He's coming back for his, and the world's not going to know what happened. If anybody knows whose quote that is, let me know. If you don't know, next time I preach it, it'll be mine. <laughs> hey, I try and search the Internet. It's not my fault if some of these old guys, you know, 50, 60 years ago didn't put their stuff on the internet. That's not my fault. That's not my fault. He's going to be gone. He's going to be gone. He's just going to take the things. And at first, it's going to be almost unnoticeable. And then everybody's going to notice. I have a fire pit in my backyard. And sometimes things get thrown in the fire pit that shouldn't be thrown in there. I've had some furniture thrown in there. I had a, other pieces of stuff that I had teenagers living in my house threw in there. And so what I do when it gets full, I, I, you know, it starts to create a mound of ashes. I'll, I'll scoop in there with the shovel and I'll take it and I'll, I'll spread it in low spots in the yard, you know, because it's, it's good for the grass and everything. It helps raise it up and it, it sinks down in there. It's good. And it helps me get rid of it. And I scoop in there one day, there's a bunch of nails in there. <sighs> Can't put that in the yard. So I got a big magnet. I took a big magnet, put it on a string, and I like put it over there. And you don't see any of the nails, but all of a sudden they start popping up, popping up, popping up, popping up. All these nails. That's what it's going to be like when Jesus Christ comes across the earth. He's going to raise his hand across the earth, and we're all going to pop up, pop up, pop up. We may look exactly like everything else down there, but we're different. Because we have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our hearts. We've repented of our sins. We've accepted him as our Savior. We're different. He takes the jewels. He leaves the rest. Matthew 24, 44 says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. He tells us all this about this is going to happen, this is going to happen, nobody knows, nobody knows, but then he gives us one command, be ready. So my question to you, are you ready? If we hear that trumpet right now, are you ready? Sadly, there's going to be a lot of people sitting in church pews on that day that aren't ready. After he comes back for his children, then the tribulation starts. We're going to go through three and a half years of pretty bad, unimaginable stuff. And just when we think we can't take it anymore, we're going to have three and a half years that are even worse. It's going to get to the point to where man is going to cry out wanting death and death won't find him. <clears throat> it's going to get to the point that God is going to shorten the days because if he didn't shorten the days, man wouldn't be able to survive them. Think about the worst pain you've ever been in. 
Think about it not stopping. Think about earthly catastrophe so great that, that a third of the sea is wiped out, a third of the fresh water is wiped out, the, the, the sun stops shining for parts of the day, the moon stops glowing for parts of the night. Things we've never imagined, never experienced. Think about death everywhere we look. Animals, plants, the stench. If you've been over on the coast when the red tide is there, just driving in these, in these cities on the coast, you smell that stench of death. The whole world will be like that. Demonic creatures will be set loose from the bottomless pit. That the, the description that John gives in the book of Revelation is so horrific, we can't even imagine it in our minds. <coughs> Tails like scorpions. Bodies like horses, faces like men, teeth like a lion. Inflicting pain upon people to the point that they beg for death. But nobody's allowed to die. I had somebody tell me the difference between a scorpion here and the difference between a scorpion in the Midwest. A scorpion in the Midwest will kill you. The scorpions here just make you wish they'd kill you. That's where we're going to be. Not us. Not me. I'm one of the valuable jewels. I'm going to be gone. I'm ready. Nope, thought I heard it. Hold on. It, but if it comes right now, I'm ready to go. I'm done. Are you? Are you ready? We can all nod here, but do we have it here? Two accepted Christ as their Savior last Sunday. They're ready. They're ready. Do they know everything about this Bible? I don't know everything about this Bible. Does anybody know everything about this Bible? Gary, you know everything? Really? As old as you are? How many years have you been studying the Bible? Five? <laughs> How many years? How many years have you been studying the Bible? Do you have, huh? 50? It's only 66 books. <laughs> and you don't know everything in there yet? You at least have it memorized, right? <laughs> of course not. He doesn't know everything. The ones that got saved last week, they don't know everything. You don't have to know everything. You have to know that you're a sinner. You have to know that because of that sin, you deserve death. You deserve to be left behind. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. God sent his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish. He sent him to die for us, to pay a debt that we couldn't pay. And through his shed blood on the cross, we're able to accept that eternal life. We're able to become one of the valuable ones to him. And we'll be ready. It's not about how much you know here. It's about what you know here. If you're here today, you may have all the head knowledge in the world, but if you don't have it in your heart, you're not going to be ready. 
Are you ready? And secondly, we live in a world that's not ready. We can at least agree on that, right? We live in a world that's horribly not ready. The only way they're going to get ready is through us. By us telling them what they need to do to be ready. Not with a megaphone in their face, but with a loving arm on their shoulder. We need to tell the world, one at a time, just like Jesus did. One tells one tells one. Those of you that believe you're here because somebody told you. We need to take that gift and tell somebody else.